You're listening to the City Network Podcast. Our mission is to grow and multiply healthy churches in the Treasure Valley and beyond. Head to thecitynetwork.org for more info on our initiatives to catalyze church transformation and church planting. Here's today's podcast. All right, welcome to the City Network Podcast. My name is Robert Frazier, and I get the privilege to be a part of the team that leads City Network and host the podcast with my friend Josh Branham. He's not here today, but today we have a couple of special guests. Um, first off, I want to introduce to you uh, Kirk Krager, who's a dear friend of mine. I think we know each other like 21, 22 years, something like that. He's an old man. That's how, that's how you know <laughs> you've known somebody for 22 years. Uh, they have gray in their hair. Um, yeah. yeah. And then Kirk, Kirk, you've been overseas for about what, 15 of those years and then moved back just a few years ago and been part of um, Calvary Boise as the groups and community pastor. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Robert. Yeah. 17 years in Italy for three years and then England for 14 years. So crazy journey in that sense, like learning different cultures and experiencing uh, just what God was doing in those places. And then yeah, back here, Calvary Boise Communities and Missional Discipleship Pastor. That's kind of my role and what I'm supposed to be doing. Trying. Yeah, all trying. That's, I think, what we're all doing. Trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Kirk, you've invited uh, our my new friend, Todd Moore, to come join us. You, you have known Todd from your time in Europe, but it, he's going to be here in a couple of weeks, and we wanted to introduce him to folks and his organization, Missional Made Simple. So would you just tell us a little bit about Todd before we jump in? Yeah, um, Todd and I first met in uh, Manchester, England. He came over, uh, he was with uh, Soma at the time, and, and I think he uh, came over through a friend of mine, Jez Deering, down in Birmingham. We got connected, came up and met with a few of us pastors in Stockport, which is part of Manchester over there, and just kind of connected and, and really helped coach us through a little bit on uh, concepts of missional community and what it looked like to live out the mission of God in, in community. And then I went down to Birmingham the next day and we had a little conference and we took some of our leaders and that was kind of transformative for our church in a lot of ways. Like it, it really helped to kind of coalesce a lot of the leadership lessons we were trying to kind of get across and learn ourselves at the time. So that's where I met Todd. And then we've just had a couple of connection points since then. I can't remember, Todd, were you in the Czech Republic one time when I was there? I can't, I know you're over there a lot, but I think we might've met in Prague one time too. Yeah. So. Yeah. I lived in Czech for seven years and I helped organize that. Um, it's probably the gathering we did when um, Timus came and uh, we pulled in leaders from about 10 different countries. Yeah. Yeah. So that was well, great. Todd, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your, your story, your journey, real, you know, the, the one minute version of what you've been doing and why, why you're here. <laughs> one minute version. Um, yeah, grew, grew up in Illinois, Midwesterner, but um, God led me after I finished Bible school at Moody Bible Institute to Eastern Europe back in 1994. Um, so it was just after the revolutions and um, we started planting youth ministries and then planting churches in some of the least churched, you know, countries in the world, less than 1%. So that's a big part of the story what we're talking about here is um living a missional life how do we help 
How do we help churches live in that way? Back in Eastern Europe, we had no other choice. 99% unchurched, not interested in church, far from the church. So we had to we had to figure out how to help organize what little groups of Christians there were around these countries begin to live missionally if anything was going to change. And so I've been doing that for the last 27 years. I help churches in about 25 countries currently. So I can give you stories literally from all over the place, all over Eastern, Western Europe, Australia, Japan, South Africa, South America, Chile, Colombia, um, and I don't know, 10 or 15 states in the U.S. So lots of different contexts. Mm-hmm. But the big theme, the big idea is the same. How do, we, how do we make disciples, train the average Christian to live a missional life? Well, so, what, we're, what, you, what you're talking about is this, it seems so normal to a lot of us who have been thinking about like the missional journey for the last 20 years. But like what we're talking about is a tectonic shift in the life of the church, like post-Reformation that was very clergy-centric. It was built around individuals who had teaching gifts, building communities who were formed around the word, but didn't see themselves as missionaries. They saw themselves as church people. They saw themselves as congregations. And then uh, it's interesting as we sit around here, because, you know, Kirk, you were a missionary for 17 years. Todd, you're a missionary for many years overseas. I was a missionary to teenagers and high schoolers for 25 years, or for, sorry, 17 years. And uh, all of us then, as we approached pastoral ministry and as we approached like the work of reaching our cities here in the U.S., all took a missionary approach to it. And like, that's obviously old. You look at like the missionary, the missional movement was really built on Leslie Newbegin's teaching. And he had been a missionary overseas with the Mm -hmm. Reformed Church, had come back to England in the middle of the 20th century and said, holy moly, this place went from a Christian nation pre-World War II to a post-Christian nation that had that was itself a mission field, but the church itself didn't have any idea it was in a mission field. That thought that it was in a, a Christianized nation. And so I think that obviously Europe is 30 years ahead, but America is living in that reality as, as the last 10 years has rapidly moved us into a post-Christian reality across the country. We're, we're in the right spot. I think, Todd, I, I love that you're coming. And I'd, I'd love to hear more about what drove you to start Missional Made Simple and what do you do when you jump in with a church who's saying, I want to make a shift away from a congregational model or a prevailing model into a missional model? Yeah, great. A few, few different questions there. Um, I mean, part, part of my journey, again, I've been connected to a lot of churches, big churches, small churches, um, overseas, as well as in the U.S. And so I think, you know, you're... you're hearkening back to the Reformation and the priesthood of all believers and some of those realities. And the Reformation and the priesthood of believers never quite, never quite got there. Um, yeah, it, it said it and they never did it. It was like, we believe in the priesthood of all believers yeah. and you should sit there and learn for the rest of your life and not do anything. It'd be great. <laughs> yes. And never defined it in terms of mission, mm-hmm. which that should have been front and center. 
to be a faithful disciple of Jesus, I don't see how we read the New Testament in, in any other way. The average disciple is meant to be a missionary, mm-hmm. meant to be a fisher of men. Luke 5, Jesus said, hey, guys, why don't you follow me? Let's be clear about the goal. It's to fish for men. It's to go on mission together. It's to make disciples, to be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So that throughout the New Testament is just central, foundational. But why have we not defined a mature disciple in that way? That's been part of my conviction for these years is to say, we've got to redefine disciple, mature disciple, and then we got to define the process of discipleship largely. So hear that, not completely, but largely in terms of mission. That's great. Um, I'm just going to shut my door because my kids are about to get home from school. Yeah. I'd love love you to talk a little bit about um, what, what drove you to start missional made simple? Like as, as you've been, you know, been back in the States for a little while now, but you're in San Diego and what's, What's driving the engagement with the local church and here here in the valley as you come up to Boise? Yeah, good. So yeah, Missional Made Simple, the platform that I'm um, currently leading, developing, actually came from all these different contexts that I described. Eastern Europe, South America, South Africa, talking with these churches and hearing them consistently say, man, we love what you're talking about. How do we train our people to get it? Mm. How do we train our people to actually live this way? Because we've tried some things and it's been too complicated. It's been too cumbersome. Mm. And I realized it doesn't need to be. Mm. Mission, living on mission, living as a community on mission is not that complicated. So our training does not need to be that complicated. Our coaching does not need to be that complicated. How we organize our churches does not need to be that complicated. It can be simple. Yeah, when when we planted our congregation five years ago, someone recommended a, a group that helps with project management for church planters. And they gave me, no joke, this was a checklist of 400 items wow. that I needed to do for the starting of a church congregation, 400 items of a to-do list. Some of them were extensive and none of them, not a single one had to do with discipleship or evangelism. All of them were about the formation of the organization. And I think that that is the primary lens through which people think about mission is I start an organization and then that organization somehow magically makes an impact but doesn't include that evangelism and discipleship is the center of it. And so I, I think you're right. Like how, how do we do that? So when you think about simplifying church planting, when you think of simplifying mission, like what, what are the things that need to go away for us to simplify? Again, a lot of our systems and programs and leadership structures are very, <coughs> very complex or very, just too too complicated so we've got to say if we're going to make disciples of all nations or a place like boise we'll just say 90 percent underchurched or unchurched we'll say 90 percent 
we need an army of people engaged in that. Well, where's that army going to come from? Just the highly trained ones? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen if the average Christian in Boise does not see themselves as part of the team, part of the solution, part of the family that is working together to influence the city of Boise and the area around Boise for the kingdom. So it's got to be simple enough, clear enough for the average Christian to be able to get excited about it, get motivated to live their everyday life with this kind of purpose. Got to be simple enough. It's got to be clear enough. You're going to hear me say that a lot. So what are some of those things? I think, again, how we define mission. So it's not a big, complicated program. It's literally everyday life. It's part of the cool design that God has in all of this. Our everyday lives, our mission field, school, our kids' activities, our workplaces, where we shop, where we go for a coffee. It's all mission field because it's full of lost people. So then we need to ask the question, how do we steward this for the kingdom? How do we organize our lives in such a way that we can actually influence these lost people at work, at school, at the park, when we walk the dog, when we go get a coffee all the time. But I believe that's possible. I believe it's in God's design. So it's everyday life, which God has already built around us. Doesn't require a lot of money to do it. Doesn't require a big program to do it. Simply requires relational intentionality. At work, at school, in the neighborhood, at youth soccer, coaching a little league, getting co- coffee at our favorite coffee shop, all those places, relational intentionality. Well, what, what are point, the pastors going to do if we don't have programs to run? Uh, <laughs> is that a business here? Okay. There's, there's still Come some on. work for some pastors to do. But it's, it's, di- it's a different kind of work, work, though, which is like, yeah. that's what really what exactly. you're getting after is what's the kind of work that pastors then do if, if the people are the priests? All of a sudden, our role then is organizing and coaching yeah absolutely so that's that's the ephesians 4 model you're talking about where the apostles prophets evangelists shepherds and teachers are given to the church for the building up of the saints for the work of ministry good that's that's the flow i I love that so where um what do you think the average christian the average follower of jesus needs to become a missionary like what's what are the mindset shifts? Where, where do most of them need that level of training? Okay. I might step on some toes here. Sorry hey, about that. There's no toes here. We, there's no one watching. It's a very small audience. Just say whatever you want, Todd. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Western church, again, I'm going to do some broad sweeping, but I feel like I can because, again, I work in – dozens of countries and hundreds of churches. So I've got a pretty good case study here to prove my point. But the church for the last 50, 7,500 years has structured itself in such a way and set expectations that were largely about church going, not disciple making. That's part of the mind shift. 
The average Christian needs to see that their calling and their identity is not to attend a church meeting, church program. Though those things are okay to support the mission, they're just not the mission. Well, like in the 90s, a, a church would say, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to attend, you're supposed to give, you're supposed to serve, and you're supposed to invite. And all four of those things happen on Sundays at church. That was that was everything. And so, like, let's flip those upside down. What's that look like in a missional? Like, what what's the ask for somebody? Okay. Again, it's the antithesis of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not come to a centralized location. It's go in your everyday life and decentralize the mission because the mission is already built into your daily life. It's your neighbors, it's your neighborhood, it's teachers from your kids' school or their sports teams, it's your coworkers that you spend eight or nine hours with every day. The mission is already there. It's not bring them into a centralized location, it's go to them. Because let's be honest, even back in the heyday of megachurch you know, stuff, there was still a large majority of people not coming. There was a select group of people that liked to come to centralized meetings and programs and events. So they did. That still was not a large majority of the population. So now today, a portion of those others are no longer coming to the big thing. So if the church does not reset itself, reform itself to be goers, that's why we keep saying missionary and mission. That's just what it is. It's going. It's pursuing. But we need to be about that, organizing ourselves to do that every day. And not to do it alone as solo missionaries. See, that's been part of the problem. Yeah. The, why a lot of Christians. hero, ultra Christian who can do it on their own. Yeah. yeah, I had a big church. There's a mega church here in Southern California that they like what I do or what we do. But they, he, he used this language. He said, you guys are like ninja Christians. And it was actually very sad to hear that. Yeah, because he didn't see that it was available to everybody. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It should not be seen as Navy SEALs or ninja or super Christian. It's just normal Jesus stuff. Yep. But part of the problem has been many Christians think they're supposed to do it alone. We're not. We're supposed to do it together in communities. That's why you're going to hear me use the term missional community. And I don't even care what name you've used. Doesn't matter. It's just a community of people. It could be a small group, called a small group. Small group of people that believe. They're supposed to go together, support each other together, encourage each other together on mission in everyday life. That's all we're talking about. Yep. So if you're a big church with small groups, I'm going to challenge you. Don't, don't blow up your structure. Just revitalize it, reform it so that each one of those small groups becomes a mission group. Yeah, so let's say you had like a groups pastor of a large church of a couple thousand. Okay. And 
he was sitting right here, here. And, <laughs> and he was trying to take his small groups ministry and turn it into a missional, you know, direction. Like someone like Kirk, I guess. <laughs> um, what, like, what's, what's the, how, how do you make, cause that's a seismic shift for a church that, and you know, most large churches are large because they've been good at attracting people. And I, I would say, evangelistically, I think large churches do a great job at the beginning of people's journeys because they can they can belong and they can listen and they can they can get their feet wet before they jump in. I think that there's a place for that. But then, like for Kirk to say, okay, how do we, how are we making disciples and how are we creating disciple making communities? Like what what do you what do you want him to do in a place like that? No, I'm really, I'm really interested now. So I got to hear this. <laughs> I hope you don't lose. I hope you don't lose your job here, though, Kirk. Okay. Yes, yeah, well, I'll try not to, but that's okay either way. But it's all good. So again, I work with a lot of big churches, so I'm very aware of what you're talking about here, Robert. Okay, I was actually in one of the largest churches in America. Okay, for a time. Popularized small groups. Was that a good thing? Yes, because actually, pre small group phenomena churches didn't even have that mm -hmm. yeah. so actually it wasn't a bad thing yeah i say it like this it was a limited thing mm -hmm. not a bad thing just a limited thing because it was primarily designed for education and a bit of fellowship content and fellowship yep not bad things yep just limited things Okay, what are the other things? I'm just going to name two. I'm going to keep it simple. I already told you that. I believe it's not that complicated. Okay, do we need small groups for Bible study and education? Absolutely. But not only. Only a percentage of the time of the life of a small group should be engaged in that. What else do they need? I'm going to say two other priorities. Family and mission. That's how I describe them. What do I mean by family? It's much, much deeper than fellowship. Yeah. It's a commitment to go deep into each other's lives, support each other, sacrifice for each other, encourage each other, speak the gospel to each other like a family. Because you can't do that with a couple thousand. And even so our church is like, you know, 150 to 200. We can't. We can't live as a family. We can live as a, as a extended family, but not as a family. It's only in that unit of 15 to 30 where that can happen. Good. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's, that's, Good. that's just Relation, right. relational dynamics. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be smaller. Okay. Yep. It's gotta be smaller for people to go deeper, for people to be consistent in those relationships. It's gotta be, and I'll be talking about more, I'll be talking more about that when I come to Boise, okay? So family, one of those priorities. So education, I'm okay with that. Bible, good thing I'm a Bible guy. Bible school, went to graduate school, I'm a Bible guy. So Bible, one priority. Family, second priority. Mission, third priority. Much of what a disciple needs to become a fully formed disciple of Jesus is mission. I hope, I hope we see that very clearly from the New Testament. Jesus spent 80% of his time, not 60, 
not 40, not 20. Jesus spent 80% of his time with his disciples on mission. Yeah. We must take that seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, yeah. that, wasn't a mis- that wasn't a mistake. That was very intentional. Yeah. 80% of his time. Because much of the shaping, much of the formation we need only comes as we are in relationship with lost, broken, hurting people. No other way. Yeah. You can't so, teach it. You yeah. can't teach it into somebody. So it's, so how do you how do you create how do you create those, you know, for a church that's starting from farther back, if they're saying, okay, we want to make this shift, like what where do you start with leaders giving them like handles for what mission looks like? Because we, we started as a missional church. That was how we started. That was, we from day one said that mission was going to be our driving factor. And it's still very difficult to find key ways to help people live on mission in the context of what we call our micro churches. Um, so like, wh- where are you seeing traction? What stories are you seeing where people are living on mission and it's it's making a, an impact in the people around them and it's helping form them as disciples. Yeah, great question. Well, I'll tell you, again, I spend most of my days <laughs> talking with churches about these things. So I'll tell you what I talk about most of the time with most churches in most cities, in most countries around the world, okay? Many of them are like you described. They're well-intentioned. Not a lack of intention lack of execution which i think you're getting at in your question yeah okay where is the breakdown in execution i'm going to highlight just a few things that i see consistently across the world one of them is at the center of these small groups missional communities gospel communities micro churches i don't care what you call them is a lack or a weakness in shared leadership the groups are usually led by one or two people. It's not enough. A fruitful, effective group requires just stronger relationship at the core or stronger leadership at the core of it. I tell churches, small group of 8, 10, 12, 15 people requires a minimum, minimum of four. Mm. Better if it's five, six, seven. Because there's strength in that. Again, you you will reference Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, gifting. We need the strength of leadership, the diversity of gifting that comes from four, five, six, seven people at the core, at the center of a missional group, missional small group. That's the first thing. Second thing, clarifying mission. I just got off a call with a, with a church, missional church. Great guy. Great leader, still struggling with this. He said, our people are struggling in how they clarify the mission. Yeah. The mission is too big. The mission is too general. So they they describe it as their whole neighborhood. They describe it as their kid's school. They describe it as this whole people group. Too big, too generic. We've got to break it down. Mission must be defined as specific people you're in consistent relationship with. Mm. 
So you, you think that the mission should be so like neatly defined primarily as people of peace. Like you would say, like, I, I, I like using good soil terminology. Okay. Yeah. The, I think, yeah, really similar like ideas good, for good sure. Jesus vocabulary. Yeah. Good soil. Okay. People of peace is a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, okay. I, I, good I, soil. I, I like the good soil because it, it moves beyond people of peace are, are a part of like they're, they're the gateway, but the good soil is the network that they're going to connect you with. Good. Mm, that's yeah, good yeah. I, I like that. I like that. There's, so there's good soil in your neighborhood. God's prepared it. There's good soil in your workplace. God's prepared it. There's good soil at your kid's school. God's prepared it. There's good soil on your kid's little league team. God's prepared it. So a small group is going to say, let's specifically name the good soil. Yeah. Who are those people? Make the list. Leave our warm to relationship ongoing relationship, deepening relationship with our community. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can tell you more about that, but that's the second big point. First yeah. one, shared leadership. Second one, clarifying mission. Who is the good soil? Third, big one. I spend hours upon hours helping churches do this. It's create specific missional plans. Mm. Okay. So get go beyond intention to intentional strategy and plans. Mm-hmm. I like that. So so what do those plans. look like for like a missional group or church? So every small group in Kirk's church. How many? How many are there, Kirk? We've got about 25 now, I think. Okay, yeah. 25. Doesn't matter. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 200. I work with a church in Southern California. That's got 225 life groups. That's crazy. Trying to see them become missional life groups. One of the big steps, Robert, is helping them come up with a specific plan. Specific times, specific places, specific days of the week where they are going to engage the good soil. They're going to love those people. They're going to eat a meal with those people, throw a party with those people, do a game night with those people, go to the park, go to the beach, go to the mountains with those people. Mm-hmm. They've already identified who is the good soil. Now they're creating a specific plan. I call it a 30-day plan. Nothing magical about 30 days, except I found that busy Americans have a hard time scheduling beyond 30 days yeah it's, it feels too far out to but too far out yeah yep too far too complicated there's too much happening in the next 30 days for me to plan beyond it yeah exactly, let's, exactly let's, it. let's dumb it down yeah let's simplify it to 30 days and then say how can our small group organize our lives specifically intentionally to love those lost people that we've already defined as the good soil yeah. Well, I want, I want to jump in with Kirk here real quick and ask him, yeah. I know you, you've been doing some uh, revisioning with your small groups to move towards missional model, but you've also been kind of doing a, like a leader's experiential group to kind of give them these deals. So wh- what does that look like for you as you're pursuing kind of missional experiences for your folks to get their feet wet? 
Yeah, you know, honestly, like we are just getting started. And I feel like everything that Todd's saying, it, it, it's kind of, it's helpful for me even today, because it's like, I have a lot of intentions, I have a lot of desires, a lot of plans. And in this context, I'm still trying to put those into, into execution. Whereas back in the day in the UK, we were able to do some of that stuff and execute decently by God's grace. And I think that that's like our, our uh, community group saw a basketball center and we were in relationship with them and we raised some money to help beautify it a little bit because it was a broken place. And that was like a very simple everyday thing that we did. And then there was a few other things like that, where it's just like the people we were in relationship with, and we made a plan to execute it and saw some fruit that way. But uh, here I'm just still learning, honestly, I'm relearning this context, like reverse missionary back into the U S and our leadership training, we're, we're calling it. Um, you can tell I'm not that, great at coming up with new names because the event's called cultivate community our leadership thing's called cultivate leaders so it's <laughs> hey. it's it's yeah good good we brands are memorable so you're doing it. <laughs> there you go <laughs> so um but you know essentially right now we're doing some theological training but then we're getting to the point where we can then say like hey experience this um go i have a, a little class we did called following the way of jesus and it was based off some stuff that like disciples made did and some of the stuff i learned from todd and other people like that and just had them take a prayer walk around their neighborhood for one thing have an experience you know or have them execute having a intentional conversation with somebody that they're already in relationship with and just some of those basic steps that i still need to hold me accountable to keep me missional because i'm relearning how to do that so so uh, easy to I, not I, be yeah. missional when you're working at church because the church is going <laughs> to eat up your life <laughs> very yeah. hard yeah 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 Damn. yeah so a lot a lot of churches i work with i have to tell them you've got to you've got to sim you've got to scale down the whole program side of what you're doing not yeah not that the things you're doing are bad i just think there's higher priorities yeah yeah, yeah. So, well, and that's the cost of the shift is I'm going to give up some good things for, you know, give up this, the, the addition that comes from gathering. You know, there's a space, there's a maximum number of people who can fit in that space, no matter if it's a 1200 people or it's a couple hundred people, there's a maximum number. But as soon as you move missional, it's a move from addition to multiplication. And so every, every single person you're sending out, they're able to multiply, you know, into their neighborhood, this experience of God's people being in a place, faithful presence, kingdom of God coming to life. And then they're, you know, literally the, the church is going to their neighborhood or to their workplace or to their kids sports teams or <laughs> to the pub on the corner, whatever that looks like. I'm, I love that. Can I... Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, this is this is yours, Todd. I'm just talking. Don't. <laughs> it's ours. It's ours, not mine. No. So don't hear that there isn't a place for gathering or meeting. Don't hear yeah. that. Churches I work with all over the world still meet on Sunday morning. Absolutely. It's good. Very Bible-centric. But it's not the primary thing. That's part of the shift, Robert. Yeah. It's good. It's necessary. It's essential. It's just not the primary thing. The primary thing is saying, if we're going to make fully formed disciples, they need to learn to obey the word. The other six and a half days a week that they're not at the building. Yeah. 
Yep. How's well, that going to happen if they're not in a community of people, like I said before, living like family with an express pur- purpose to be on mission together? Mm. So Sunday is still good, right, necessary. It's just supportive, though. Yeah. This life we live together in a community, in a small group, intentionally in daily life. That's that's a shift that we had to make during COVID. Once for us, we had a very cautious community. There was a lot of reticence to be back together. And so we just said, this is who we are now. We are the we are the church that's dispersed as exiles in the community. And so when we gathered back together nine months later, we told them now the center of who we are is the micro church. And Sundays is a celebration of what's happening in those micro churches. That's still like in people's heads. I don't think it's there. We, we say it every week. <laughs> I still think they're like, Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But this is church, you know, <laughs> but, but the, you know, the, that language and, and what we center as the center, like is important, but church, like the gathered people, like, the church means the gathered people, the called out ones who are, mm. my, there's a lawnmower right outside my window. Can you guys hear that? <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, hey, Robert, well, yeah, um, that's just um, reminds me of something uh, one of the brothers said to me the other day. It's like Easter is like a great picture of this. We're just coming out of Easter, right? And he said this, he said, we celebrate Easter more like Palm Sunday because we get together and we have this great big like shouting you know, of praise and, and honor and stuff. And then we go back and by Tuesday, we're already just like, oh, what are we doing here? What, do, how are we living? You know? And so I just love that we're having this conversation in the context of um, just being resurrection people, even, and being people that live out the, the life of Jesus that way. Um, I don't know if you guys heard that quote by N.T. Wright, where he says like, we should have resurrection people. We should have 40 days of Easter celebrating, like throwing parties, having barbecues, parades in the street, getting our neighbors into our houses. And I just love this conversation because we're kind of, I think that's what we're talking about really is we, we, we're kind of Palm Sunday people instead of Easter people in reality. Robert, can I say something? I want to go back to um, kind of Kirk's situation or a church with a group structure, because I work with a lot of these. Because you asked the question, how do you help it become more missional? Okay. A, a simple way that I try to frame it up for a lot of churches, I would just say, help your small groups plan, assess, and then coach them towards a proper proportioning of the three priorities I mentioned. The Bible, family, mission. What if you just split your time three ways as a small group? Third of the time, Bible focus. Good. We need it. Third of the time, we're going to go deep into each other's lives and each other's stories, support each other like family, meals together, parties together. Good, supportive family. Third of the time. But a third of the time on mission together. Mm. Out in the neighborhood at the park, through our kids' activities. So a third, a third, a third. I think if we could plan in that way, assess in that way, coach in that way, we would see many groups become healthier and more fruitful. No, I, I, I like that. Ironically, uh, we were planting 
the, the lawnmower just turned off, so I can, I can unmute myself. Um, the, when we were planting, there was an older couple who wanted to join our launch team and they got in one of our missional communities. And we had that, that was our pace. That was our, that was our rhythm. You know, one week we focused on worship and connection with God, you know, being together. One week we focused on discipleship and getting in the word. And then one week we'd have a party. That was kind of our rhythm. And they left the church because we weren't studying the Bible enough. They, they said, you guys just don't love, you don't love God's word. And, you know, like that was like one of those moments where we could say, you know, oh, that's valid. We should be like doing content every single week that we're together. Like that's, that has been the, the mentality of the church is that the word itself, the Bible is the center of our faith. But the word of God is not the Bible. The word of God is the person of Christ. And like when we center around him and then we infuse the life that we see of his into our lives in this weekly rhythm of being together, all of a sudden the Bible is coming to life. And so what we've always said is, we'll teach you more Bible as you start to do the things we taught you. And so it's like you, you, you get, you get something. And as soon as you start doing it, then we'll give you something else rather than it being, we're going to fill you with content and make sure you know the whole Bible and never ask you to do what God's called you to do. And I think what you're, what you're describing is a really obedience-based discipleship, you know, like we're saying, okay, week in, week out, we're going to live this thing out. It's not, it's not abstraction. It's not an idea. It's not a nice thing to do someday. Once we figure it all out, it's like, okay, we're going to watch Jesus. We're going to do what he says. And then we're going to do it together as a people. Absolutely. Our, one of our primary callings as followers of Jesus is to be doers of the word. Yep. Not just hearers of the world, hearers of the word or studiers of the word. That was the Pharisees. Yep. We don't need more. We don't need more of those in our churches. No. <laughs> okay. No, we, don't. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need actual doers of the word. And think of what that means practically in daily life. Yeah. We could talk about that for a long time. Yeah. Being doers of things Jesus said, being doers of the things Paul said in his letters, being doers of those things. Yeah. Well, well, we're getting we're getting close. It's it's been 45 minutes. I want to make sure that we, you know, this is a listenable episode because I I'm I'm afraid we get past 45 minutes, we're probably gonna lose some folks. Todd, thank you so much for being here. We're excited to have you be in Boise here a little over two weeks, the 13th and 14th of May, right, is the is the dates of the conference at Calvary Boise. Mm -hmm. If you're watching this on Facebook, there's a link. If you're on the podcast, it'll be in the podcast notes. There's a link to the gathering. Uh, Todd, if they want to get a hold of you, how, how do they find you online um, or connect with you? So all the training I do with churches around the world is on a platform called Missional Made Simple. So it's missionalmadesimple.com. Um, feel free to email me at toddcmore, M-O-R-R, at gmail.com. Um, and again, no matter what size church, what age church you're in, um, I've, worked, I've worked with all shapes and sizes. So, um, yeah, feel free to reach out. Love to hear your story and um, talk with you about um, just encouraging your people to faithfully follow Jesus as missionaries. And Kirk, if you could share a little bit about what's going to happen, like at Calvary Voice those couple of days, that'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, that's great. 
So first of all, if any guys here in town want to actually connect with Todd while he's here on the Thursday, uh, the 12th of May, we've got time where he can kind of connect with you one-on-one or with your team, even for the church, if you want to bring your group's leaders together or just the group's pastor and the lead pastor or whoever you want to kind of connect with Todd, we can make a time so you can just email me at uh, kirk at calvaryboise.com if you want to set that up or email Todd and get to know him that way first and he'll set that up and we'll do that together. Um, but then on the Friday night, we'll, we're going to try to make this, this conference cultivate community um, somewhat experiential as well. So we've got our youth team that's going to put on stuff for kids so families can come if they want to and disciple kids while this is happening. And then we'll eat a meal together Friday night, 5.30 p.m. We'll have a meal um, for as many people as show up. So if we have 50, if we have 200, 300, we'll figure it out some way or the other and have a bunch of food. Um, and then in the morning time, there'll be a little breakfast bar as well. And we'll have uh, just like a, a setup conference, but try to make it feel like we're in community together, learning mm-hmm. together. And then Todd will be teaching on Friday night, a session, and then several sessions on Saturday on our identity and calling as missionaries in the body of Christ together. And then specifically, like, how do we do that? How do we have intentional conversations? How do we put this into execution and practice like he's been talking about? Here today. So that's kind of the idea. And my hope and prayer is that people just leave from this. And if it's just our church, or if it's a bunch of other churches, that we just send some missionaries out after this weekend as communities, not as single hero missionaries. But the, it, it, I just, as people come into this valley, you know, Robert, I mean, this is your whole passion. I just see more and more people coming in. First, they need connection and they need kind of like networking, new relationships. We got to figure out how to do that. And then we need to help them get on mission and join in what God's doing in the, in the good soil here in town. So anyway, that's the, that's the plan for the weekend. Meet together pastors. If you want to with Todd Thursday, we might even have a lunch on Friday if, if people are interested. And then Friday night, Saturday conference for every believer, for leaders, for pastors, whoever wants to come. Great. Thank you so much for being on here, Todd, Kirk. It was great to hang out, and I'm looking forward yeah. to getting some more time when you're t- here in town. See, Network is a network that's committed to helping churches that are healthy and grow, multiply, and see the gospel go out to every person in the Treasure Valley and to see God move. Uh, that's that's what we're doing. So if you're looking to connect, best way to do that is go to thecitynetwork.org and uh, fill out one of our one of our uh, forms on there to let us know who you are. We'd love to help you plant a church. We'd love to help you connect with missional communities. Um, and we'd love to help you grow as a leader as you're stepping into God's calling um, here in the Valley. We think that God is doing some incredible things. We've seen 45 churches planted over the last six years, and we're excited to see how God continues to grow his church here in the Valley. See you guys soon on the next podcast. And uh, thanks for joining us today.